There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Keeping dogs properly and responsibly. That's what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore. I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we'll get, basically, for our baby. Between the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with P.J. Something we suspected since forever. This proof now, they've done work, they've done research and they have proved it. Your devices are actually listening to you. Your telly, your phone, your smart speaker, possibly even, possibly even your washing machine. They've been looking into this now, the experts who were paid an awful lot of money to look into these things. And and it's right, it's true. We've suspected it since forever. Tell you more about that uh, during the morning. You wouldn't believe what's listening to you in your house. You know, you don't mind whispering around the baby's cot. Don't mind whispering around when the child is trying to go to sleep. Whisper in the kitchen if Alexa is in the corner or whoever happens to be in the corner doing the smart speaker stuff. I'll come back to that. Good morning. Beautiful morning. Beautiful day ahead. Heat warnings. I love it, you know. We get a bit bit of late summer weather and they're they're losing their reason above a met Aaron with heat warnings and dire warnings of catastrophic heat. Would you go away and get off my back? It's a bit of nice early September bonus sunshine. A kind of a repayment for the crap we suffered in August. So we'll take it. According to all the apps and according to the predictions, we got the weekend out of it. Maybe even we get to Sunday out of it and then it's back to relatively normal September weather. That's how it looks for the moment. So let's not be panicking now at all. The sky isn't going to fall in. 0818 96 96 96 I wish it was in that kind of a jovial mood that we could start out but not because we have bad news on the accommodation front for yet more people this is from somewhere that I know very well I had a good friend back in the 80s who lived for quite a number of years in Chorister's house down there on Dean Street it's an ancient building beautiful brickwork just part of old Cork and there's been apartments or flats or 
call them what you will, um, or what was the other thing we used to have, bedsits, uh, there since forever. And uh, there's many is the night my bicycle spent in the hallway as I was upstairs in, in my pal's house. And sometimes I'd even, I'd even stay over there and um, we'd been out socialising and stuff. So I know Corister's house uh, quite well. And uh, sorry to hear over the last day or two, and it's hitting the headlines now, that about 25 tenants are facing eviction from there and possibly eviction into homelessness. Kate is one of those, and she joins me. Morning to you, Kate. Good morning. Hi. Um, I've been living in Corsa House for over two years now. Okay. And when did you get notice? Uh, we actually got told it was going up for sale um, last October. Mm-hmm. But we hadn't heard anything until we got our, our eviction notices at the end of May. Whatever happened in between, um, the council kind of interfered. It's a private landlord that you have, it is, yeah? It is a private landlord, okay. yeah. And is it the council getting involved because it's a listed building? Yeah, it would be because it's a listed building, yeah. I have, yeah. So, what date do you have now, Kate, when you must move out? So, mine is the 27th of November. Right. <laughs> One okay. month before Christmas. Indeed. Indeed. And I think others have got until January. So most people um, have until the 27th of November and um, as far as I know, only two people have the middle of January. Okay. The new owners, if there are new owners, are they intending to keep it as accommodation? So there actually is, there's no new owner, you see. So with the repairs and the renovations that needs to be done to the building, we have to get out first before the renovations are done and then it's sold. I see. There is no new owners. It's just that we're being told that the renovations and the work that needs to be done to the building can be done with the tenants there. So you know where to go, effectively, after the 27th of November? Yeah, and that goes that goes for everyone. Um, I know uh, three or four people have moved out um, since the eviction notices, but that's always going to happen. There's about 25 apartments in total, um, but everyone has kind of banded together for making it go public, and other people that haven't been as involved, but I know they've been living in the building. They, I know they have nowhere to go. There is a thing called the tenant in situ scheme. That's right. That's and, right. And you want the council to bring that into play here? Yeah. Well, we think that because it's part because it's in this building and because it's part of Cork's history, that it shouldn't be privately owned anyway. Mm. It should be part of uh, the council. So you're Cork you're looking for the council. To buy it. That's what we'd hope for. Yeah. I find our situation very similar to what happened in uh, Leaside in 2018. Um, the building was getting sold and then it was a health and safety risk basically for the renovations that needed to get done that the people weren't going to be able to stay there. Mm-hmm. But even if, I'm thinking Kate, even if the council did take it over, you'd still probably have to move out while it was being done up. But the council would be, um, I have to give you a hand basically with somewhere to stay. I see. In so, between that, yeah. I see. So so if the council took it over, did it up... to help you with accommodation Understood. during the renovations. Yeah. Understood. So have the council come back to you? Well, they're only back in session as of m- Monday coming. So in your own situation, Kate, what are you going to do if, if it can't be sorted out? I have absolutely no idea. I have, I have no backup plan. There's nowhere else I can go, basically. You're on your own? You're living on your own? 
I have my boyfriend. We're both full-time working people and it's still impossible to find something out there. Two of you um, holding down jobs. Don't know what your income is, but there's nothing there to find. There's absolutely nothing there, PJ. It's insanity. Even even up the last few years, like this is my first eviction. Like this is my third one. Hmm. My first, my first two. It was very different. It was the landlord's kids were moving in. That's where I moved out. I see. Um, with this, it's different. You're seeing 25 vulnerable people about to be put on the street. People who will not be able to find somewhere else to live due to health reasons. This, for some people, there's um, there's a, a language barrier. Mm-hmm. Not, they they won't have the same time I would have dealing with um, agencies or rentals or mm-hmm. or even going for viewings these days. It's, they're in a room going to a house to view it and there's another 40 people there and it turns into a bidding war. I understand. So there isn't much time before you you need to leave and your appeal is because Chorister's House is one of the oldest buildings in Cork and a listed building your appeal is to City Hall to the council to get directly involved here and rescue the situation Exactly We've waited a while just to get our bearings together to be going public with this We've had we've had a lot of support in the last uh, few weeks few months it ranges from Mick Barry to Councillor Bryant they've been amazing and it's the same with the, the guys from Katu. Like, they've gone above and beyond for all of us yes. when it came to advice that, or information that I might not have known beforehand about renting in Ireland, you know? Yes, this is the, the tenants group, Katu. And... It is, yeah. They're, they're really helping change the way that people are, people are treated and the way that housing goes in Ireland, mm. you know? So what will you do and your boyfriend, what will you do come the end of November if you've nowhere to go? I've absolutely no idea. That's that's not on my heart. I've absolutely no idea what we're going to do. That'll take your sleep off you at night. It does, yeah, it does. And I'm working, I'm working with six days a week as it is. So, uh, yeah, it's not easy. Wish you luck. We'll follow this one with some interest. Thanks, Kate. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Eamon, you're also living there and you're on your own. So trying to find a place as a single man uh, will be very difficult for you. Morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. Um, I'm on the HAP scheme, so the, the council helps pay my rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have limits as to what they will pay in, in private accommodation. Mm. What are you and, entitled to, Eamon, per month, say? Um, so it's 600 is the limit, but then they have a discretionary 10%, so it can go to 660. Okay. Um, but if I was to, to, to move back into shared accommodation, it would be 300. I see. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing, um, in the, in anything like that kind of price range available on no. the, on the private market. So, um, we have an incredible shortage, a shocking shortage of yeah. places to suit one person. As I said in the introduction, I know Carister's house, or I did anyway. Mm. Very well in in the eighties, late eighties. Oh, I, uh, I don't know what it was in the eighties. It so was bedsits, basically. Small, oh, okay. perfect, perfect for single people. My, my pal lived there in, yeah. in a tiny little one bed, and it was perfect. But okay. we have a chronic shortage of that kind of stuff. Yeah, there is. I I was really lucky to get in there, and it's it's been a wonderful place to live for me. 
Um, I went back to college in 2017 and I was initially out in Monkstown. And at the time, public transport was not great. Um, I I couldn't make a nine o'clock lecture, even leaving Monkstown at half six in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting a place so central was fantastic. And through COVID as well, you know, a sort of a, com- a real sense of community grew there um, with the other tenants, you know. Um, l- like, it, 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 it's an amazing place. And I just have to say, like, you know, we've been very lucky. Mm. Um, and the impression is given that it requires an awful lot of tender, loving care and renovation work. Does it, do you think? Yeah, like, it's not falling I, down around, you know. It's certainly not. No, we would have had uh, fire safety inspections every six months. Um, you know, uh, the, it, it's not in bad nick at all, considering it's, you know, coming up to 300 years old. There you go, yeah. yeah, yeah. But there, there were new regulations implemented in, in 2019. Uh, I, apparently our landlord wasn't aware of those until it came to selling the place and an engineer's report brought it up. So... Just to, to come in, you know, there's, there's funny little It's, it's got to be standardised now, yeah, yeah, yeah I got gotcha, you, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Exactly, so it's got to yeah. be brought up to standard before it can be sold sold on. Now, your your date, are you like Cage, is your date the end of November, yeah? 27th of November, yeah. What are you going to do, Eamon? I have no idea, I have no idea. Um, the council have directed me towards choice-based letting, um, which it seems to be a very good system, but availability is the issue, you know. Um, a lot of the properties on there are they're managed by approved housing bodies like Kluge or the Nanonagle Housing Association. Um, but, you know, you can see that up to 500 people have bid on, on mm. previous properties. So it seems and like I'd be inclined to think, Eamon, that as a single fella, you, you are disadvantaged anyway because there were probably very few that's places right. like what you've got in the Chorister's house going up that's on right. CBL. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, o- the only thing that I've seen so far that, that was appropriate was in Ballancolic. Um, which it, it looked like a lovely place actually, but mm. it, it's um, you know I don't I don't know anybody out there. It's quite a bit out. Mm. Um, so there is an excellent bus service, but it's still a long way away from where yeah, you are. Yeah, well, now. I mean, it, it, it certainly I you know I would take it um, above uh, been on the street obviously, indeed, but indeed, um, yeah. uh, we just have to see if if they make more places available. Um, but as, as you discussed with Kate, like our, our hope would be to get the, the council involved directly or possibly through an approved housing body. Um, I've been, I haven't got any replies, but I have been in touch. I've been trying to get in touch with Cooperative Ireland, different groups like that. Um, you know, it's been summer, so, but, but people are, are probably, you know, on skeleton crews and mm. things, but, you know, our hope would be possibly through um, an approved housing body they, we might be able to facilitate uh, mm. a, a, a making the place basically council owned you know? yeah. and I think that the, the idea here is or the thought process is look it's a listed building anyway, it's, it's a heritage building, it's like you said it is, nearly yeah. 300 years old and the council should have more of an interest and if it came in then and took it over while it has to be done up and you'd probably have to move out it becomes the council's job then to set you up temporarily 
Yeah, that's it. And I mean, you know, it's actually two buildings, PJ. It's number two and number four. Yeah. And then you have two, um, there's two apartments or, or dwellings, I should say. They're kind of more than apartments that are part of the building as well that you access from the Baker Street around the corner. Uh-huh. Uh, so there is the possibility, you know, because people are moving out already and people are immigrating. I know of two couples who are just going back to their home country because they can't afford anything here. Um, you know, there is the possibility that work would happen on one part of the building and, uh, and you know, the tenants who are remaining come November would be in the other building. Something like that could be feasible as well. So yeah, you would it may it may not be the case that everybody needs to be temporarily rehoused, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's one we're going to stay across, Eamon, because it is interesting. One of the most historic buildings in Cork. If you know it, thank you, Eamon, and thank you, Kate, before that. If you know it, it's a beautiful building. Uh, and it's a lovely area. And it's real beautiful, old stone, gorgeous place. And you wouldn't realise, but so many people living in there. Uh, the council has it as a listed building. So the tenants are saying, We're, we have nowhere to go come 27th of November. Council could intervene here, take it over, bring in an approved housing body and sort us out. So that's one we'll stick with. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Diary. Quartz 96 FM. The Big Splash for Aware takes place on Saturday the 23rd of September. Join people all over Cork and take a dip at your favourite swim spot to support mental health. Register today at aware.ie forward slash splash and receive your exclusive swimming hat to proudly demonstrate your support on the day. Please remember to swim safely. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Did have to get to some of your entries from yesterday on our vacation giveaway with Fulcher Ireland and we now we want more of them. We're going to have some choices to make tomorrow when we pick two winners. We've teamed up with Fulcher Ireland all this week on the show, so to help you experience the best vacation ever. Uh, there are videos now on the 96FM socials, on the Instagram. You'll see me out and about exploring some of the, the great things to do and to see. I went to Blarney Castle, uh, to the house, or to the castle and the gardens there, and the Blarney Stone and the Poison Garden and the beautiful pathways and the trees it's just gorgeous out there and in weather like this like come here and the coffee's great at the end of it too it's really been fantastic and it's a fantastic idea for a for a vacation so what we want you to do is tell us your best vacation ever your idea for a perfect vacation ideally in cork ideally and most of them are to be fair we've got some for kerry and one for kilkenny yesterday which was really good but Let's base it ideally in Cork. And if you're looking for ideas, then discoverireland.ie is where you go. And on tomorrow then, Friday, I will have two by €200, Euro, one for all vouchers to be one for the best idea for a perfect vacation. So just text me in the details of your ideal vacation to 083 396 I'll read some of them out 
uh, during the morning. We've some left over from yesterday and we had a huge response. We've had a great response all week to these and loads of people with great ideas what to do with the day. I mean, we've got a dr- some beautiful weather today, tomorrow, Saturday. You'll even get into Sunday with it. So give us your ideas for the best vacation ever with thanks to our friends at Fulcher Ireland. Back to accommodation. There's a new website. Well, it's been around for a bit now, um, but it's gaining a bit of traction and glad to see it. It's called homehack.ie. And I had a browse and look through it this morning. It brings the letting agents, the providers of accommodation, the home, people looking for a home, people looking to be tenants, brings them all together under one website. And and there's you'd be amazed at the amount of empty space that is out there unfilled. You'd also be amazed at the number of people looking for a place, not just the people in Chorister's house in a few weeks' time, but there's loads of others coming to Cork looking for a place to stay and a place to live. And the whole thing under one umbrella at Home Hack. Dot IE. Pat Drynan is the director and he joins me. Pat, explain for me the principle of this because I've never seen anything like it before. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thank you very much for having us on. Well, the principle is quite straightforward when you think about it. The, there is one way, one process that's been out in the world for 30 years for renting a home, which is a property gets advertised and then 20 to 40,000 people in Cork, for example, will see the ad. Mm. And the average landlord or letting agent in Cork will get 500 to 1,000 applications. Wow. And out of that, maybe 20 to 40 might get to walk around the home, three-bedroom house, and then three people get to sleep in the house. And we looked at that and thought, that's not a decent way of doing business in this day and age. You know, 20 to 40,000 people see an ad for a three-bedroom house and three people end up in it. So what we did was we turned the model upside down and we make it about people. So on our platform... We help people to put out there who they are, what they're looking for, and we make it about them. And then when a landlord or a homeowner or a letting agent has a particular property they want to rent out, and you just pick somebody and invite them over one by one in a much more discreet way. Let's look at two scenarios, Pat. So I have a house or an apartment that I want to rent out. That's the first scenario. The second scenario is I'm a young professional or I'm a student or I've just arrived in Cork for a new job and I need a place to stay. Explain for me how HomeHack works with both of those scenarios. Okay, we'll assume that the house or apartment is an entire unit that you want to rent out as opposed to a room for the moment. Okay. We'll come on to talk about the room in a second. So in that situation, um, you can go onto the platform right now and you can see who it is that's looking for a place just like you. And you simply go to the tenant selector on the top of the page. You type in the air code of the apartment that you're looking to rent out and press search. Up come the people who have said they want to live near that air code. And why do they want to live near there? Because they probably work just down the street or their their kids go to school nearby and they want a short commute to the school or something like that. And so we make the, the, the process of finding people who are ideal for your property as simple as that. The other scenario you asked about was you're a student, you're coming to Cork and you want to find um, a home. You simply start out by preparing your tenant CV on HomeHack. It'll cost you nothing. And you put it up there and it demonstrates you as an organized person. And all we're doing is helping you collect your information, organize it, 
put it in there in a safe place, and then you are there ready to apply for houses number one, but also on tenant selector and home hack tenant selector, people can select you. Why has no one thought of this before, Pat Drennan? Well, there is a very dominant industry out there in the property advertising world, and it's been that way for 30 years, and it's not easy to break into it, PJ. We started this three and a half years ago. The Cork people are wonderful to support their own, and so the agents came on board because it made sense to the, the, the there's some agents that are the letting agents are very people oriented and people when they engage with them will know. And I, I'm going to name check, you know, Sherry Fitz and DNG and trading places, mm-hmm. people like that. And Siobhan Mullins up there in, in Mallow. So they gave us a great boost and absolute properties the same way. Then in, in February of this year, 2023, we were awarded Cork Business of the Year by the Cork Business of Asso- Business Association. Okay, congrat- congratulations business. on that it, one. Thank you. It gave us a great boost, PJ, because we thought, you know what, there's traction here. There's something in this. We need to kind of step it up. And we have now, we're now inviting tenant CVs in Dublin, in Galway, in Limerick. And we are also inviting on to their accommodation providers that, are, that want a more trustworthy process. Mm. Instead of inviting a thousand strangers to come into your house, now they can put up their property and they can see who it is and do a better job of engaging. There's an untapped resource of living space there. When we see the statistic that here in Cork, there's something like 45,500 households have one or two bedrooms. There's an awful lot of space there to be rented out and the government have made 14,000 tax-free income on the table for anyone who wants to do it. So is that a space in which you can help? Absolutely. For the first time, the CSO asked the question on the census 2022 form. They've always asked how many rooms in your house, but Mm. they now asked a a little subcategory, how many bedrooms in your house? We got the data only a, a week ago and we analyzed it and the statistics are startling. Um, 45,500 houses in Cork City and County have two bedrooms with nobody sleeping in them. That's 91,500 bedrooms that nobody sleeps in every night in, in houses with two or more bedrooms. Mm-hmm. And even more start striking is the fact that there are more than 12,000 homes with three bedrooms. That's 36,000 bedrooms unoccupied. So a lot of people don't want to invite somebody into the house, and that's absolutely fine. But there's a lot of people out there, maybe they're feeling a little bit lonely or they'd like more security or the idea that somebody will come home after work in the evening. And frankly, a lot of people could do with the extra income. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't want to advertise their house on a public website. So what we said was we will put up all the organized people on our platform and you will be able to invite them one-on-one to your house. And PJ, the success has come from where they recognize their own Mary or Jim or John or Joe or Megan that went off to college and then got a job, went to Dublin, they rented a house. Or they went yeah. off to New York and they rented a house. And now they, when they actually see somebody with a story, they can invite them over one-on-one. And it's the same thing now in the healthcare. We have a huge campaign in Cork City right now for healthcare workers. They're bringing hundreds of staff into the city. Thank goodness they're choosing Cork. But they're actually losing hundreds 
out the same way, who cannot, number one, find accommodation, and number two, if they can find it, they cannot afford it. Mm. And, and I have examples here in front of me that I've been talking to this morning. Tanya, she's quite happy for me to say, she has a job in CUH, and she's a nurse. She has the job since the 1st of August. She's moving from Kerry, just from Kerry, not from India or the Philippines or Poland or someplace the other side of the world, from Kerry. Mm. She cannot take up the job because she needs a house for four people, herself and her husband, who's also a healthcare assistant, and their two little boys. And would you believe the two boys have two places in two schools in the Model Farm Road and in Bishopstown, accepted, but they can't find a house to live in. They can get into the schools, but not into the houses. So there's Tanya and there's Maria. She's helping people every day in the chemo unit, a healthcare assistant. Mm. And she has two little boys as well, seven years of age, twins. And... She's looking for over six months for a home and she'll pay 1,700 euro, but she just cannot get um, selected. So what we're helping is we're, we're going to, she's on the Cork University Hospital page on HomeHack and she's hoping somebody will select her for a home. Yeah. The list is endless. Come back to what you said about, you know, inviting strangers into your home. I can remember yes. when I went to college, Pat, it was quite common for people. My, my best friend stayed in Diggs. His carry man stayed in Diggs out in, out in Model Farm Road. Times have changed now and people are afraid to open their door to somebody they don't know. And they're even more afraid to let that person go upstairs and stay in one of the bedrooms. These are rational fears that people have. How do you combat that through home? Well, I'll tell you how. When you put up an ad on a property website and a thousand people apply, you've no idea who in, the, who in the world is going to show up at your door. That's what we're changing. You must create a home hack tenant CV. And what does that do? If you're a healthcare worker, PJ, they're interviewed to an inch of their life. They're guard vetted. There is a teacher, a primary school teacher, searching for a home on home hack right now. She needs a home somewhere in the Carrick Tuhill area. What we're changing here and inviting, if you're talking about inviting people into your own house, we bring trust into it. Every person who um, you see, you can see on their little tag that says ID verified by Stripe. And we've provided that because uh -huh. we want people to have that assurance that they've had to show their passport and driving license to the system, to the platform HomeHack. That was unique. We're the first in Ireland to do that. And second of all, we ask every um, homeowner, landlord, letting agent to also do the ID verification because we're we're also railing against the scourge that is rental fraud. Sounds like you're doing great work. Homehack, H-A-K dot I-E is the website. Yes. yes, thank you, PJ. And right now we've just issued 5,000 postcards to the people within two and three kilometres of CUH, the Mercy, the South Infirmary, um, in Cork um, to say, look, if you ever thought about giving up uh, a room in your house, there is a phone number on the postcard. I I'll read it out if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. 021-229-6677. 021-229-6677. Or just go to homehack.ie or .com and just start out the process. If you're in trouble, there's a big question mark on there. Just press it and it help. You'll see us on the bus stops around some of the bus stops around Cork during September now to raise awareness. Okay. And we just want people to take the first step and say, yeah, maybe maybe somebody like my own son or daughter or my own nephew or niece, maybe we'll take somebody like that in for six months, for a year, and we'll help out the healthcare staff, the teachers, the doctors, the dentists. And you know what? A lot of the students 
they're just regular ordinary students, regular ordinary kids, the same as your own, and they don't cause any bother. In fact, they want to be outside of your house. You'll hardly see them if you take them into digs. There isn't enough places right no. now for all the students. There's a huge shortage, and we're going to hear so much more about it over the next few weeks. We will happily, at this program, direct people to homehack.ie. I've really enjoyed our conversation, Pat, and the best of luck with what you're doing. Thank you very much, PJ, and thank you for your support as well. You've, you've had a good few programs about this topic, about the accommodation topic, and, and people are listening. Well done. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, PJ. Yeah, home hack. It's H-O-M-E-H-A-K dot I-E. Leave it in your capable hands. It, there's a lot to read and a lot to understand. There's a few quid involved as well down the road. Not a lot. Not a lot. The fees are small. But he seems to be onto something, Pat Drynan and his team. 0818 Now there's a Garda statement or Garda press release has come out this morning from East Cork. They're not naming the Iron Man but it's as plain as the nose on your face that they're talking about it. Uh, remember the tragedy on the 20th of August, Sunday morning, the 20th of August, two men uh, died in the swimming section of the Ironman Triathlon. Well, now the guards are appealing to the public for assistance. Uh, they are building a file for the coroner for inquests in the months to come. And now... They're asking that anyone who was at the swimming section of the event and who might have video footage in any format of any kind to get in touch with the guards at Middleton at 4621550. That's an 021 number, 4621550. You can also email them at middleton.incidentroom at garda.ie. Middleton.incidentroom at garda.ie. Dot IE. They're asking that you don't send any footage at the moment, but just let them know that you have some. And then the investigating team will make contact and arrange to get the video footage from you. It's an interesting development in that investigation this morning. Um, so it's Middleton Gardy at 021-462-1550 or middleton.incidentroom if you happen to have been on the beach that morning or anywhere around the swimming section of that event and you have any footage of any kind 0818 96 96 96 we are back to the subject of dodgy drivers on our roads we had a very very hard hitting interview yesterday with Dr Jason Vandeveld it's on our podcasts of the programme wherever you get your stuff have a listen to it, the kind of things that he as a doctor comes across uh, on the roads and the importance of just driving without distractions, particularly without your, your mobile phone. That prompted a conversation yesterday from people who just see the craziest things on the roads every day. Um, and Justin wants to join that conversation next 0818969696 Join the conversation This is the Opinion Line With Hidden Hearing Focus solely on your hearing health for over 35 years They're all ears Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cork's 96 FM Cork's Gold Emerald Award winning sports show Right, right here, right then 
The Score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welsh, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another busy weekend of Gaelic Games action and we bring you reaction to Ireland's Rugby World Cup opener against Romania. Right here, right now. Join Trevor Welsh for The Score this Sunday from 2pm on Cork's 96FM. So Justin, the kind of things that you see driving around the roads. Lots of people contacting us yesterday with, with their examples. What are yours? Good morning. Morning, PJ. My take on the whole thing is you're lowering the speed limits and that's, you know, great. Yeah. I so find some, that Ireland in, has a... Sometime a, in 2024 that's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, in the future. But it, the, the, the problem is everybody wants to trust that people will do the right thing when nobody's looking that's not going to solve your speeding solution. Mm. You know, you, you need guards, you need fines. That's going to stop people. When it starts hurting their pocket, that's when they're going to stop. They're going to start slowing down and paying attention. All the road crashes that have been in the news lately. I mean, I don't know particulars or specific crashes, but I can tell you out here in West Cork, you see the young kids speeding around or you see the older generation doing half the speed limit on the road, slowing up traffic. Both of them are a safety hazard. There's, you know, and that's what enforcement's all about. You need an agency that can actually enforce the laws. If the Garda is the police force for Ireland, they should be enforcing the rules of the RSA and, you know, the rules of the road. And when they don't, that's not bad things happen. Yeah. You can't really have a cop on every street corner, Justin, and you certainly can't have one out on a country road at one o'clock in the morning when so no. much of this happens. No, that's understood. But what they could do is create a highway unit or a motorway unit that, you know, areas where it's very common, you know, with the speeding mm. and just hit those areas until it slows down. And then the unit moves on to the next area. So you can rotate them around to kind of give you coverage till it all, you know, to kind of cover all areas. You don't have to be present in all areas at once, but showing your presence in different areas and moving them around mm. will slow down, will slow down traffic. I was mentioning... The, the issue is, too, fines. Fines, yeah. You know, it should be, say, say an automatic fine if you're, if you're caught speeding in a work zone. You know, you got workers on the road and their lives are at risk when, when people are passing and no passing zones and, mm. and the likes. That should be an automatic 500 euro fine. That'll make people think twice about doing it. That's what it, listen, for areas like that where you're putting people's lives at risk, that's what it is in the States. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that for a second, because if you're to watch programs on television Mm -hmm. um, where the traffic cop pulls up behind your car and and they'll look for Mm -hmm. your license and registration and, and they'll write you a hefty fine for a broken taillight. Like, we think that's made up for television, is it? Is it? Oh, no, it's not. And and each state has their different sets of rules. Like some states have a rule where every mile per hour over the speed limit you're going is $5. Is $5. So in the end of it, if you're doing 20 over the speed limit, you got a $100 fine. If it's in a work zone, you're looking at a $500 fine or more and penalty points on your license. So you can get fines parking in New York City just for being in a, in a side of the street that they need to pick up trash, and you're going to get a $500 fine for being in the way. And you get enough of them, they'll put a boot on your car and you won't be going anywhere until you pay it off. And eventually you'll lose your license. So the, the, that's how they generate revenue to repair roads, to fund the police operations, 
to fund ambulance services and emergency response vehicles, mm-hmm. all that money goes to funding those services. And I understand, you know, I look at the Garda and I think, what if they became sort of like the FBI? Because they kind of play that role now where they're a national police force. Mm-hmm. But then you had each individual county or, or city, you know, in the bigger cities, have their own police to enforce traffic, you know, or, or a, a, a traffic cop, if you will. Yeah. We have it. We have, we, we have traffic in cops. The we have a traffic corps. Uh, we call them uh, Paulini Bohera, road policing. But what I think the mm-hmm. problem is, Justin, is that for, for an awful lot of the time, you're out on the road as a cop and then something mm-hmm. happens in the local bank then you go straight back to me mm-hmm. being a regular cop. Like, are you saying we need cops who are just for the roads? You could. That's what the highway, the, you know, they're mostly run by the state police. So, like, they'd sit on the motorway. Maybe they wouldn't be on the state, the, the rural roads, but they'd sit on the motorways and patrol the motorways. Like, uh, I'll give you a good example in uh, northern Arizona. For They'll drive up and down the I-40, which is old Route 66. Yeah. And they'll have a 60-mile range that this officer is responsible for. And he will go back and forth within that 60 miles during his shift and set up different points where he's running radar. Um, If there's multiple officers in a big holiday weekend, like 4th of July, they might run a checkpoint there to catch uh, drivers under the influence. You know, also when you're pulling people over to give them a fine for speeding, they're also finding other crimes in the process. Mm. You know, drug smuggling, human smuggling, Mm. All various uh, infractions by the lorry drivers, you know, brake checks. They use the traffic stop in order to kind of get an overall picture of the person okay. in the vehicle when they make a stop. Okay. So, yeah, so that was just my thought. You know, no. you want people to slow down and be safer. There yeah. has to be an actual authority to do it. Camera vans don't work so much. Yeah. In the States, we had camera vans. But everybody sued and they got taken away because the law is. What happened there? Well, for example, and you can look this up with um, DPS in in Arizona and California State Highway Patrol. What the lawsuit was, you can't be issued a fine by anybody other than a law enforcement officer or a court. Right. So the camera vans were being operated by a company they contracted out to. Mm -hmm. Those companies, of course, there, there were some instances of errors. There were people changing license plates when they knew where they were or covering their plates so the camera vans couldn't do it, see it clearly. But then you have a technician who's not a sworn law enforcement officer and so had no legal right to write a ticket or a fine. Okay. So they got sued and had to remove them all. And it is on the burden of the police to have to witness, you know, verifiable by radar. There's other techniques about, you know, calculating speed, you know, between um, mm. In the states, we have mile markers. Yeah, between two fixed points. Yeah, fast people are going. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's in. That's and it would be a great. You know, it's a great way to generate revenue for for the the country and for the government to repair roads. I know in West Cork we have a lot of roads could use repair. Yeah. I know in Cork City there's a lot of roads could use repair. Mm. You so, know, something oh, I saw, Justin. I was saying the money. Year. Yeah. Go if on. the council doesn't have the money to fix it all the time, generate it with 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 road fines. You know, mm. not saying go on fine fines, but if you find people breaking the law, give them a fine. Something They'll I stop saw, breaking the law. Something I saw in, in Wales a number of years back, I mentioned it yesterday, out in the, the Welsh valleys, there's nothing on the road for miles, but there are speed cameras mm-hmm. and there'll be two speed cameras maybe 
maybe a mile apart. And I was stopped off for my lunch in a, in a lovely pub, and the guy was telling me, he said, yeah, he said, that's what they don't have enough police to go around, but those cameras will capture your speed between two fixed points, and they'll calculate that Absolutely. You're, you're breaking the law, and the fine then will be issued by the Welsh police. Absolutely. That works because it's uh, it's a police officer that's issuing the fine. And it's a set distance like running radar. Mm-hmm. If, if you think about the fine aspect, look what's, I, I believe it's Sweden that the fines are directly tied to your income. So I was reading an article where a guy was, you know, a rather wealthy guy was flying around in his sports car and he got a 60,000 euro fine because he makes a million dollars a year, a million euro a year. Oh, you're in favor of that? They give him a 60,000 fine. That's controversial, well, that you're fine based on income. You're in favor of that, Justin, are well, you? I, I am in a sense of, let's say somebody's rushing to work and they don't make a lot of money as it is, the fine would be applicable to them. You know, it wouldn't hurt maybe as bad as it does the other people who are showing off in the sports cars. I got you. That, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it puts less of a burden on the lower income families by doing that. So I can see both sides of that, okay. you know. Okay. All the limits in the world, all the penalty points in the world, all the, the fines and tickets in the world won't work until there's someone there to issue them. Justin, thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. My brother lives on Long Island in New York. He says if you get caught drink driving, you can lose the car, the truck, the bike... Even if you bought it on hard purchase, you'll still owe the money, but you won't have the vehicle. Thanks, Mick. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Oh, Justin's got you thinking, so he has. Justin's got you thinking. Spoke to Justin before 10 about how the cops do things in America. And he is both... Uh, a former military and former cop. So he kind of knows his stuff. Now, it, it varies from state to state, but very, very hefty fines. Like something as simple as if you park in New York, if you park on the side of the street where the bins need to be collected, that's 500 bucks. And enforcement and highway patrol cops and people on the road, cops on the road to enforce the law and fine you. And not little small fines either, big, big fines. And writing tickets and, and just enforcement. Infor- his big word is enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. You can have all the rules you want, but if you don't have enforcement, then it's no good to you. Uh, Dennis, you wanted to get in on this one. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to everybody. I was just listening to that guy, far away fields are always greener. Now, He's right about one thing. All these rules that are going to come in are going to generate revenue for the government. The cash, flash for cash, will be out there nailing poor people for 10 kilometres above the speed limit. Whereas, in fact, the whole, a lot of the problem, like, for example, there in Florida, you drive along the road, people are on their mobile phones, by and large, the speed limit is ignored. I have driven there and I'd be thinking, what am I doing wrong when all these things are flying by you? Yeah? Mm. But 
they have one great thing for them. Excellent roads. Right. Now, you look from Cork to Limerick. Mm-hmm. You, you go through a, a whole heap of one-horse towns. You have a series of bends going into Butterman there that would kill anybody. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have the law whereby somebody's going to be travelling slower on that road that you can't get by, and it's going to create more accidents. Now, there's not a word from the Road Safety Authority regarding about all these people who are driving around that they will be passing you out on these scooters they have no license, no insurance, no tax, mm-hmm. but there's not a word from the Road Safety Authority. Well, I'm with you on the scooters, but I'll come back to that one. You, yeah. you mentioned that road there, the Limerick Road, and I happen yeah. to know uh, because I was, I'm going down that road for as long as I'm around, and that ain't yesterday, that Ballybeg yeah. Bend there near yeah. the old Lime Quarry. Like, yeah. that's lethally dangerous. Right. And anybody who tries to overtake anybody else yeah. on that bend is an yeah. idiot and should be fined until they bleed, in my view. Yeah, well, unfortunately, if he, if he keeps that up, he'll be in a heap on the side of the road and some poor order exactly. individually. So just, Justin's idea of enforcement puts yeah. a cop on the bend or... Uh, yeah, you know? that's not going to happen. He, that guy's not realistic. Uh, but we have a case there where the minister won't even meet our city councillors now to talk about dangerous roads. Do you know what I mean? Hide away up in the doll and do nothing. But the fact is, PJ, out in Amsterdam there, beautiful straight roads, high usage in the day, there are 100 kilometres an hour, mm. and it's 7 o'clock at night time to go to 110 to 120. Like, the modern car is well able to travel on a good road, maybe 110, 120. The, the, the speed limits were based on how quickly a car would stop back in the 1940s. Mm. Now, definitely, if the government are conscientious about people dying, nobody wants people to die. But for, I put a suggestion forward now. The best way to, to stop people having accidents on the road is have a man with a red flag walk in front of the car. Right? Because otherwise, after that, even if you have a 70 kilometre hour speed limit and two cars collide head on, that's 140 kilometres an hour. Yeah. And there, in that case, you look at the, all the programmes on the telly, the crash dummies and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, people will die. So what you do, what you need is good straight roads and competent drivers on them. And then the, the fatalities will go down. Mm. But you will all, always have fatalities. That guy that was on there in America, ask him what the fatalities are over there. As the population increases, fatalities go up. That's the sad part about it. Uh, Michael, I'm not sure. Like, you, you, yeah. Yeah, we'd all like light and lovely, straight, smooth roads going everywhere. We would. Yeah. We would. Yeah. Okay. But if you take rural Ireland, take that road you mentioned a few minutes ago, the one down yeah. by the by the Ballybeg Quarry. Yeah. Like nobody's ever going to straighten that out. Why won't they if they bypass both of them? So you have no business going through a one horse town, going from two major cities. Until such, you could be twenty years arguing, and we have been twenty years arguing. Yeah, about we that. have. But and until what, such is, time as we put those roads in, those new motorways yeah. in, we need to enforce the law on the roads that are there. Yes. And what is wrong with, uh, we'll just say you're going from Cork City out there to Valencolic there. Mm. There's sections of road there, and if you're caught doing over 10 kilometres an hour now, you're going to be fined. 
Mm. And those speed vans will be out there because they're going to generate revenue, both for that company down in Tralee and the government. But so you, do you not believe in speed limit enforcement, Michael? Uh, d- yes, of course. Right, you go down into the country roads now where they are 80 kilometres an hour. Mm. Now, the speed limits are not realistic on the roads. Well, that's why Jack Chambers has said some of those 80s are going to come down to 60s in 2024. Okay, maybe he's right there because the roads are so bad. Mm. But uh, eventually, like, we have a country that we should be proud of and going, travelling from Cork to Limerick. I was on that road one morning on the bends there where a poor man was decapitated on that road. And I was speaking to a guard afterwards and he said, oh, it's speed. It was nothing to do with speed. The road was so bad, a truck came down, came around one of the bends and hit a car because there wasn't enough distance between them and killed the poor man. Uh, but he's a statistic. So the government comes up and says, yeah, yeah, that's it, speeding, lower, lower so, it down. So when Dr. Jason van der Veld, yeah, who goes right. out to more accidents than, than you and I will ever see, yes. says that the things we need to watch are distractions like the mobile phone and speed... Yeah. You disagree with him? No, not totally. Given the circumstances, yes, you go out there now in your car today and how many people are on the mobile phone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Now, definitely, they, sh- they should be nailed because you cannot drive a car and be on the... Unless it's hands-free, of course, and you're accepting a call. Before, I, uh, loads of voices come, want to come in on this, and if you yeah. want to get in, you can, at 0 96 but come back to me briefly on scooters. Now, you and I both agree, scooters yeah. are a scourge. Yes. We were following one the other day. It was, uh, it was like an electric scooter, and it wasn't quite a motorbike. And we were behind him, and I said to my wife, look at that machine there now. This is the way to go. No speeding fines. You don't need a license. No insurance. Lots of revenue to the government. And then the government will wake up when there's no money coming in every week. Shouldn't even be on the road, those scooters. That's the law as it stands. Michael or Dennis, thank you, Michael. And I think Kevin and Tazzy also lined up. If you want to get in, we've got a couple of slots. 0818969696. Starting point to this conversation was Justin. Michael, what would you like to say? Good morning. Uh, Good morning, PJ. Uh, just uh, even this morning, with all the accidents and fatalities we had in the last two weeks, even this morning, on the N25, uh, I looked at my mirror, one car overtaking and another guy outside him over. You had three cars abreast coming up the N25 this morning. Where much was out. that, Michael? Between, uh, between Kill and Castle Matter on the N25, that road is lethal at the moment. I travel it every day, morning and evening, PJ, and it, the speed on that road and the overtaking, white yeah. lines. This is between com- Killer and Yall. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, Killer and Castle Martyr, actually. Oh, God, that's so, right. Killer and Yall's okay, but Killer and Castle yeah. Martyr's a nightmare. These guys will overtake you, and then when you get into Castle Martyr, they're back in the tail back of the traffic lights. So they've tore up the road for nothing. I'm up to the many are doing 60, whatever, 65, and all, whatever, 70. Now, I'm driving 41 years, PJ, and touch wood, I never had a tip because I drive at a moderate speed always. And mm. that speed is, look, we can deny it all we want. The bottom line, the majority of accidents are caused by speeding. No doubt about it. We can blame the roads, blame the cars. Now, most ca- all the cars are gone through the NCT, so I don't believe in that. The problem is speed is the problem. I see it every day of the week. Yeah. You know, I drive to work five days a week, and from Monday to Friday, I see it every morning and on the way back every evening. These people are just so aggressive on the road. They're suffering from anxiety. I don't know what it is. It's a behavioural 
pattern. They just want to get out. They can't wait in the line of traffic. They have to get out and take chances on double white lines, oncoming traffic. I pull into the hatch shoulder several times. I see these guys come up behind me. They want to overtake. There's a car coming or a truck coming the other way. I pull into the hatch shoulder, leave them off. Yeah. I'd argue, Michael, and you know the road well, so do I. I'd argue that from the lake, you know the lake? Uh, I do from, well. From the lake down into Castle Martyr. In my yeah. mind, that comes up as one of the five most dangerous stretches of road I yeah. know. It is, it is, yes, yes. Lethal. Absolutely, absolutely, that road. And like, unfortunately for you all... When they turn off there from O'Geely, it's worse again. That oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, unfortunately for you all, there was a great opportunity missed to bring the train in there because that would take an awful lot of cars off the N25. Don't go there. And Don't they were putting go the walkway, there. Don't go there. of a walkway nobody will ever use. It's a complete waste of taxpayers' money. That train down there, even if it was always leaving the light rail system, yeah, morning and evening would have been massive for y'all. Massive Michael, theory. Michael, Michael, yeah. whatever brain box decided <laughs> not to put that train back and yeah. to replace it with a flipping cycle path, and a, which yeah, is lovely. No brain yeah, but Will in the real world, nobody's going to use it. Thanks, you know? Michael. <laughs> I think he must be related, or she must be related, to the same brain box, the same genius that decided to rip up our West Cork rail. Yeah, absolutely no brainer, no brainer. All right, mate. Thank you very much, Michael. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I'm sorry, Michael just pushed one of my buttons there, and whoever decided, and I don't know whose decision it was, it was someone's decision not to restart the train to y'all, just like it was someone's decision back in the day to rip up the railways to West Cork, like stupidity squared, in both in both um, occasions. Both occasions. Oh, oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Sorry, lads, when you push that button to me, I just go. Tazzy and Kevin, you're next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. FM. Tazzy, if I'm reading right, it's a total free-for-all in South Africa, is it? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It basically is. <laughs> well, tell me what happens. Um, so it's very different to here. A lot of people think that, you know, people get away because there's not enough Garda. But in South Africa, it's very different. There's a lot of police force, but you can bribe them and it's very easy. Um, oh. You get pulled over for speeding and there's a lot of speeding traps. And, there's, uh, you know, in the on the weekends, they have their... Um, tests where they pull you over for drink and driving and things like that. And you can give them a 50 rand note or a 100 rand note, which is, depending on exchange rate, yeah. up to 5 euros or up to 10 euros. Yeah, 100 rand's around 10 euros, isn't it? It's around, yeah, it's around 10 to the euro, isn't it? 5 tenths of the euro, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit less than that. Um, and then they just let you carry on. Really? Yeah. So, would there be a lot of bad accidents in the roads in so that's yes. yeah. um, it's very common to have very bad accidents and very frequent. Um, and are there I think fines, the death toll this year is 128 over here. Yeah. In South Africa, that's probably a hourly, daily rate. What the hell? Yeah. Really? <laughs> My God. It's, it's bad. <laughs> so, yeah. you know... It's a huge contrast, and when some people are saying they should do more here, I'm just like, wow, they're already doing so much. Right. Yeah, like, there's no penalty point system, is there? No? None at all. None at all. You can get... I know some people had, would get 10 fines a month or something like that, and um, 
if you have connections in the police, you can even get those fines squashed. Oh, God. Okay. So you don't even pay them. Right. So we... we good Lord. Good Lord, Tessie. Thank you for that. South Africa it seems to be a total and utter free-for-all. Uh, but just, yeah, while you're there, um, what, what brought you to Ireland, other than safer roads? <laughs> no, just the safety. I mean, the crime rate there in general is really bad, and I didn't want my children to grow up the same way that yeah. we did, you know? Um, yeah. A very high crime rate, is there? Even Yes. Again, stuff we don't hear about. It's, it's, it's really bad. I mean, it must self-trace me. I've had guns and knives at me and things like that, and it's just so common. Wow. Um, every second person you meet has had something happen to them. Well, did you did you have to carry a knife or a gun with you? Uh, I didn't, but people that I know would sometimes carry something as protection. Really? Right. You get told it's a very dangerous place for a woman alone. 100%. Mm. Sobering thought, because, you know, seems to be, I've never been, seems to be a beautiful, beautiful place. But, oh, it is. It, yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I say to a few friends of mine, you know, go visit there, but don't go on your own. Go the next time we go, because at least we know how to keep safe, where to go, where to not go. Yeah. 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 Okay. Tessie, thanks. And uh, how long have you been? I go, there are more than 800,000 road accidents in South Africa every year. 800,000. Good Lord. Good Lord. How, and how long have you been here? Uh, since 2020. So three years. And we were in the UK for three years before that. Okay. And you, are you going to stay here now? Yes. This is our long-term home and we absolutely love Cork. Good. We're in West Cork and it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> good, good, good. West Cork. Yeah, oh, well, now you've fallen into a, a small corner of heaven there. Whereabouts in West Cork? Clonakilty. Oh, lovely. Beautiful. Love it well. Love it very much. Tazzy, thank you. And welcome uh, to your, to your uh, forever home now from South Africa, where it's a total and absolute free-for-all. Now, Kevin, you were also listening to, to Justin. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you keeping? Good. Your thoughts? Um, listen, I've listened to a lot of this over, you know, over the last few weeks. This this conversation has been going on for a long time about the safety of the roads and stuff. Mm. And as much as every death on the road is an absolute tragedy, when you look actually look back at where we are now compared to where we were, mm. it's not as bad as what you think. It. I was looking just a quick look there. I was born in 1972. 1972, there were 640 deaths on the roads in Ireland. Mm, mm. And far fewer cars. Far fewer cars. Yeah, yeah. But what you're finding now is there's a hell of a lot more cars, a bigger population, a lot less death, but that's due to multiple factors. And the same way as what Justin was talking about was with fines and stuff like that, more policing, and that's part of how things are going to get better. The way I look at the best comments I heard on all of this was someone's on Joe Duffy yesterday said, you're going to educate yourself out of this. You, you can find yourself, you can find so much, you can police so much, but unless you change behaviours, you're going to have this problem all the time. Isn't this what Dr Justin was saying yesterday? Well, all I, I can say from personal experience, the hardest thing I ever did was quit smoking. Now, I quit smoking not because it was good for my health or because of money or anything like that. I was blackmailed into it by my daughter. Well, my youngest, and she was 
told in school, smoking is bad, smoking causes this, that and the other. She came home and said, Dad, you're going to die at a young age if you don't quit smoking. And any parent will tell you a child will blackmail you into all kinds of things. And if they can turn around and blackmail you into good things and good behaviours, then all the better. The way I can't understand how someone can get a driver's licence after 12 one-hour lessons, a 60-minute assessment, and literally told, there's your licence, there's your car, pay your insurance, there's the open road, learn as you go. Because you don't know how to drive a car once you've passed your test. You're learning as you're going. And Mm -hmm. I, for the life of me, the one thing I will say about when I was living in America was we did driver's education in high school. It was part of the curriculum. And it was a much bigger school than any school that I went to in Ireland. More students. Yes, everyone passed their test through high school. Yeah. And they had two years worth of theory, of driver's theory and practice and education within the curriculum of doing it in the last two years of high school. And then you pass your test. Mm-hmm. And even then, you don't know everything until you, you're sat alone in the car at night mm-hmm. on your way home from work. Well, isn't that why we brought in, Kev, wasn't, isn't that why we brought in the, the, the numpty plate, the N, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that I disparagingly, know. but my daughter drove on one for two, for two years, and I used to, she used to kill me for calling it the numpty plate. But, but you are. I mean, I remember doing my test. You remember doing yours. Yep. You sit into the car. You have a full license in your hand. You have insurance disc. You haven't a clue. no. Uh, but you're you're in your mind. I passed my test. I'm the bravest person since I'm the greatest person Fair since point. since I, I can be Michael Schumacher behind the wheel of my Fiat One Two Five. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know. But look, you, in, it, in all in all seriousness, I honestly think that SPA, SPHE is one of the best subjects that they teach in secondary school, and they teach it for six years continuous. There's no reason why a thirty minute slot per week per year cannot be dedicated to road safety and to things that involve the car. Even simple things, the basic mechanics of how the car works, what you can do yourself, all that stuff, it's a six-year course. It can be incorporated into it and as part of the Leaving Cert. Yeah, you have to do the practical side of it as well, obviously, but I remember you had a topic, you'd done an hour on it, where parents couldn't get driving lessons for their kids because everyone was booked out solid. That's right. If it was part of the curriculum, the driving instructors that are out there can be employed through the school to provide this stuff to a lot wider audience than the one person per hour than they're doing at the minute. Which is part of what uh, Dr. Jason Vandeveld and the group he's involved with, Kevin, is the empowerment side of things. You imp- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Power people through knowledge. Going to move from there, Kevin, because I got to get to Sandra before we do our break. Thanks, mate. Sandra, and again, I know that area, that road really well, Ballybeg into Buttevant. Lousy yeah, road, dangerous good road. Morning, PJ. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely notorious. Um, you're guaranteed, like, people don't hear about the accidents that are going on weekly. It's yeah. not like, you know, every now and again. It's it's a weekly occurrence. Mm. And, like, if I was travelling, I would not travel that road. I would actually go through Donnerail mm. to Charleville mm. because that road is that, that dangerous. It's lethal. It was, um, it was lethal to 30 years ago. It's still lethal. Yeah. And, like, with so many injuries, there has been deaths there also. There has nothing been done to actually fix that part of the road. Mm-hmm. There has nothing been done, and people are coming in from both sides with speed. You cannot, you cannot travel that road in speed. No, it is highly, highly dangerous road. Yeah. And but, I guess Dennis is right. Who was on a few minutes ago? He was saying you're coming around that bend, and in the other lane coming against you is a truck, and the road is too small for the truck. Exactly. Exactly. Because I know myself, the roads have been diverted there on numerous occasions that, that those bends have been closed off. On many occasions, uh, traffic will be diverted through to Donneray, or, sorry, over to Donneray, yeah. to Pothouse, yeah. because of all the accidents because that will be on that road. Yeah. And it, it's, it's actually crazy how yeah. nothing has been done. It should be a, a black spot. It should be. Sandra, thank you. I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. There was a road I mentioned off air to Dr. Vandeveld in West Cork and I said, it's amazing. It's a, I just mentioned it, it's, a, it's such a bad road. You never hear anything about accidents on it. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm out on that road, he said, several times a month. You don't hear about it because we get them safely to hospital and they don't die. Yeah, oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Those dangerous roads are everywhere. Thank you, Sandra, to Kevin, to Tazzy, and Dennis. I will come back to this, but I need to change tack in just a second. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six FM. 
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. For fantastic quality and great taste guaranteed. Choose Griffin's Potatoes. Herpings and Roosters. Cork's 96 FM. So much interaction with listeners so far this week that Monday seems like an eternity ago. But I played audio that independent TD Michael Collins had put up on his Facebook last Friday, Saturday, about the pressure on businesses in his area of West Cork from the changes in VAT that came into effect on Monday night. We took a load of more calls from other business people and I was saying that one thing that I had tried to learn to do across the summer was not to just read the receipt and go, oh my God, to think, well, why is it so expensive? Are we being ripped off or is that just the cost of doing business? Paul Travel of Travel's Restaurant in Killarney. Paul, have you put your prices up since last weekend? Good morning. Hi. Hey, PJ, how are you? Yeah, Good. unfortunately, I've had to um, because it's exactly as you just said. You know, you read the receipt. No, nobody goes into business to rip off people. You, you, you won't survive. People aren't that stupid. And unfortunately, the cost of doing business has just escalated beyond what anybody thought was going to happen over the last 12 to 24 months. And even last year when everything was going up, you know, we were told, look, this is due to war, this is due to energy, this is due to whatever. And everybody thought that this year was going to settle down and come down a bit. And the reality of it is it's, it's actually probably gone up about another 10%. So everybody, you know, you're, there's only so many hits and kicks you can take when you're in business, no matter what it is, whether you're a hairdresser or a restaurant, mm. whether you're just a tour shop, no matter what you are, there's only so many hits you can take. And the government putting VAT up now is just, it's not even the nail in the coffin. It's they've dug the hole and they've thrown you into it. It's its just so many businesses will go bust this winter. I, I warned about it about three, four or five months ago, but I didn't think they were going to be that stupid that they put the VAT up as well. And that's exactly what they've gone and done because they just they just don't care about the small individual family-run businesses. And they've proved it now by putting the VAT back up to 13.5%. So mm. unfortunately, if you're a business and you haven't increased your prices, Trust me when I say this, you're going to be under more pressure in two, three months' time. You simply cannot absorb that hit. Yeah. I've talked to one or two more people in the trade, Paul, and they say that, for, and I think you said this to me before, for a restaurant to be successful, you've got to be running a margin of between 5 to 10%, and that needs to be closer to 7, 7.5, just to keep the door open and the lights on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, I mean, we're all in business at the end of the day to, to turn profit. But but more importantly, like in the last year or two, you'll have a lot of listeners now that are kind of small self-employed businesses. And they'll tell you, and they're nodding there now when I say they've stopped their pension. They're paying themselves a fraction of what they should be paying themselves, all just to keep their staff in the job. And they're doing absolutely everything. But we can't sustain this. So energy bills, as everybody knows, and that's why it's really hard because I hate coming on and saying, oh, there's your man moaning again, because I know every family is probably living paycheck to paycheck at the moment because it is just so hard to survive and you're kind of going like but in order to run the business my obligation first of all is to my team is to keep them all in a job to keep them safe so that they can provide for their families and I'm coming into a winter season now in Killarney where I'm turning around going 
right, what is the absolute bare minimum I can trade this restaurant in? And, and, and my answer is very lucky. I can put my brother in the kitchen and me outside on the floor. That's the absolute bare minimum. And if we do 10, 15 people a night, then so be it. That's what we'll have to do. Now, thankfully, we're in a much luckier position than, than, than a lot of others because, you know, we don't have the financial pressure. We're, we're in business over 21 years now at this stage. So it's not going to come to that for mm. us. But there are a lot of small businesses who are turning around going, okay, I have 10 staff now. Can I, can I run this on four? And the reality of it is, is that the owner is going to work probably 10 days a week as opposed to the seven days a week that they're already working. Mm. And our government, they don't care, PJ, because they know, they absolutely know the pressures that we're under. And when you hear a housing minister and a former finance minister turn around when they talk about whether it be refugees and asylum seekers, and they turn around and say, listen, we will find that money from somewhere in order to provide facilities for these people. Well, now we know where they're finding that money from. But we'll have a surplus at the end of this year, anywhere from 6 to $10 billion from corporation tax and from the mm. multinationals. And next year it'll be higher again. And- Absolutely. The money is there. So I'm sure there is a politician listening now. For once, would you mind the backbone of this country? Because one day those multinationals are going to get up, pack their bags, and go to a country that's cheaper, that's just as educated, where they can make even more cash. Right. And you're going to be left with a country with nothing, with no small family. You can see it in every rural town around the country. I live in Kenmare, I work in Killarney, and I travel through two or three towns when I'm going over and back. And you can see from where there were seven pubs, there's now two pubs, mm. where there was three butchers, there's now one where there was two or three hairdressers and that's like hairdressers are like restaurants they pop up all over the place in the big cities but in the small towns the small rural businesses they they are just being decimated and gone Mm. because the generation coming up they just know there's no money for them to make out of it so how are they going to survive and run their family on it Mm. paul this as you as you may you probably do know but our present minister for finance is a a corkman and b by profession uh, michael mcgrath is a financial controller yeah. What are your thoughts on how a financial controller? Why do you think? I, I I know Michael McGrath since he went into politics, and I know him by his profession as a financial controller, and he was a very good one. So why do you think he would knowingly, or Pascal Donoghue, his sidekick, knowingly put up the vat last Friday? See, it, it, it's very easy. These guys look at bottom line. There was a very famous hotel in uh, one of the towns that I just mentioned there, five-star hotel, that was taken over by, we'll say, let's just say, uh, I wouldn't say a vulture fund, but let's just say taken over by accountants. And the accountant came into the head chef and said, you see that Tornado de Buff Rossini you have on the menu? Change the foie gras to chicken livers. It's the same thing. So what these accountants do and what these financial controllers do, is they look at the bottom line. So they turn around and go, look, we need that six, eight billion surplus because we're going to put it into X, Y, Z. They know what they're spending that on already. Don't be fooled thinking that, oh, it's gone into a rainy day fund. They know where that's going next year in the next 24 months. But now we have an increased cost of providing for all these people that are coming into our country. So that needs to come from somewhere. So we're not going to mess with the surplus that's there. We're going to find that money from somewhere else, which is increase in VAT. And what people don't realize is that so when the energy costs have stayed up so high, Government are absolutely cleaning up on the VAT intake on that. Mm. When the excise duty and when the when the with fuel and all that, that's another form of tax. They're saying minimum wage is going to go up from ten to twelve percent from January. No small business can sustain that. It's absolutely impossible. But what they won't tell you is that if that equates to fifty euro a week for the person who's on the minimum wage, they'll probably come out with about twenty of that. 
and revenue will take 30 of it through taxation plus the employer's or somewhere so it's a it's a tax it won't be oh we're going to help out the poor people here we're going to just absolutely we're going to clean up again on the tax and there's there comes a point where you turn around and we surpassed that in my opinion because i've been moaning here for the last two three four years at this stage there comes a point where you just cannot tax the small guy anymore because i'll give you a very honest opinion for me pj i drive from kenmare to killarney seven days a week i've had mm. about four or five days off since the middle of, of of april and i who'm running a business and a very successful business i'm turning around to myself going what is the point in me doing this why should I continue to wreck my head seven days a week wondering where am I going to get my staff? And we're very lucky. We have a brilliant team that we've had for so long. But I mean, the course of, of our industry is, I mean, it's going to dictate that eventually I'm going to lose one or two. And the pool to get to replace them, it's not even diminishing. It's gone. There's, there's absolutely nobody to get around out there for so many other different reasons. So these guys are geniuses in Leinster House are at some stage going to have to think outside the box. And instead of the hourglass that's continuously they're trying to fill with sand as it slips down, they're going to have to actually fix the hole and sort this out because or otherwise what do we get? Is every single small business, family-run business going to be gone in 10, 15 years? The 33 days to the budget, Paul. Lastly, yes. in that 33 days, if there's one thing that Michael McGrath or uh, Pascal Donoghue or the cabinet as a whole need to do, what would it be? So the first thing they need to do is they need to reduce the VAT immediately. They need to they need to bring that back down to the 9% and go, look, lads, that's the way it is forever, amen. Or else turn around and say, look, it's 13.5% forever, amen. Stop messing around. We're trying to do tour operator deals and everything like 6, 12, 18 months out. We can't be guesstimating prices based on what these guys are chopping and changing every two months. The warehouse debt that is coming down the line from next year is literally going to cripple so many different businesses. It's a billion it's a billion euro in tourism warehouse debt. They have a surplus of six to eight billion. Now, anybody who doesn't have any warehouse debt is going to go, you can bugger off with that. But all that needs to be wiped out because the alternative is, is that... All you're, saying wipe, you're saying wipe out all the warehouse debt from the tourism industry. Absolutely. And that's what the government can do for shutting us down for two or three years. That's the least that they can do. Because when people who have got warehouse debt of 40, 60, 80,000, 100,000 euro, there is absolutely no way they're going to be able to pay that plus the revenue debt from this year. It's just it's not possible because business is so tight at the moment that they're just they're not generating enough turnover to create enough cash flow for profit in order to pay two rev sorts of revenue debt. And the alternative, PJ, and people are saying, but you're I mean, like, that's just crazy. But the alternative is, is they just go bust. So how much is that going to cost the exchequer? And the way we have company law now is, is a fella could go bust and open up tomorrow under his wife's name. And he can just be an employee and trade on and write the whole debt off anyway. Yeah, there is that. Just one last thing I want to put to you, Paul, while I have you there. And I've, I've listened very carefully to what you're saying, because I've said that I've tried to learn more than just reacting to a receipt during the summer. But the one thing I said there at the weekend, we went to Dublin to a show and, and the hotel that we would normally stay in, we said, no, 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 not justifying 600 quid for two rooms for one night. I, I would have to put it to you, Paul, and I know restaurants are different. I would have to put it to you, Paul, that the, the, the actual accommodation industry isn't doing itself any favours. 
So this all boils down to the unfortunate law of supply and demand. And when you take 40% of the supply out of the equation, which is the hotels and accommodation because of reasons that I've mentioned already, that all of a sudden the demand into such a small amount of supply dictates that price goes up. But you have done the right thing. It doesn't thing. have to, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, a see, full hotel's a full hotel. No, I get you, and, and you're a hundred percent right. But they deal in what's known as yield management. And so if I, gonna, sorry, if I if I have to pay, if I get a hotel bedroom for a hundred and fifty quid a night, I'm going to spend money in the bar. I'm going to spend money at the restaurant. If they want three hundred quid for the room, that's less money for the bar, less money for the restaurant. No, you're spot on, and, and I'm and just we, thick all you know? season. No, 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 you're, you're far from it. You're spot on. Like, that's what we've had all season. And all restaurants are wondering, you know, what are they doing wrong? And it's exactly that. The budgets that people have to spend for a day, if it's all gone on accommodation, that means it's a sandwich or a burger that they're bringing back to the hotel for dinner. But you've done the right thing. And that's the only way that this will change is that if somebody turns around and says, I say there last year and it was 150 quid. And now they're looking for 400 quid. Just go, oh, I'm just not going. I'm just not going to stay there. And that's the only way the prices are going to come down. All right, Paul, leave it there. Paul Trebo of Trebo's Restaurant in Killarney. 0818969696. I have tried consciously, because you get accused, maybe rightly so, of populism if you just read from a receipt and go, God, that sounds like a rip-off. And there are people ripping us off. But there's also, there's also a lot of reasons behind high cost in restaurant these days. But he's on the hotel industry... If it's too expensive, don't book it. We're going to West Cork the weekend after next. I'm not going to tell you where we're booked because it's full all the time anyway. Um, and, and I don't want to be um, stuck for a place to stay next time we're going down there. But we can get a very, very reasonable two nights accommodation in West Cork. And you can get a very, very reasonable two nights accommodation in parts of Kerry. So you can. But an awful lot of the big players are screwing us. Paul, thank you. 0818969696. Now, Premier League uh, Live takes a break this weekend because there's an international weekend ahead of us. Ireland, France, of course, and, and others. Show is back, though, on September 16th at 96vm.ie with Trevor Welsh, powered by Talk Sport. And you can join them then for match commentary, interviews, reaction, and all the scores as they come in. Premier League Live Online is with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Quark's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Back on September 16th. We are busy this morning and we come back to you on the roads and safety on the roads and speed and mobile phones and all those things. Uh, we're going to book a load of you in for after 11. If you want to get in now and book your slot, 0818969696, if you want to say about the roads and safety, or indeed what Paul was saying about prices and hotels and restaurants and VAT and all of that. And if you're a first-time caller, we'll put you straight to the top of the queue. How's that for a deal? 0818969696. Now, earlier in the week, we touched on this, and I predicted that it is going to come to Cork if it's not here already. And this is in Dublin. There was a WhatsApp stroke Facebook message going around about confirmations that in one particular parish uh, where confirmations were due to happen, a message had gone out to parents that in order to register their child for confirmation next spring, that they needed to pay a donation of €100. They could pay it in 10 tens or they could pay it up front, but they had to pay it 
in order to register the child. It raised some eyebrows on social media over the last few days. We mentioned it here earlier in the week. Uh, Michael, you had you had some thoughts. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. I, I believe putting a monetary value on, on the sacrament are putting an unfair barrier to people that are finding times hard and it will maybe put the sacraments beyond what they can afford, you know. Mm. They say the place in Dublin where this is happening is saying that you don't have to give us the full hundred up front. You can do it in ten, ten installments. That might help. Yeah, but it still uh, it's a, it still remains a, a financial burden. Is our religion going to be broken down now to what we can afford to pay? Like the sacraments are a gift, and they help to strengthen our faith. Mm-hmm. And like attaching money to it, uh, I, I think will lessen it in the long run. And people will with uh, that cannot afford. I think we'll drift from the church, and where do they go? Where do where do we go from there? From the, from there? From there, like referring again to the Dublin example, they say that the hundred euro is to defray the expenses of preparation for the sacrament. Maybe there's stuff there that just can't be done for free anymore, Michael. Yeah, I understand, but like, does it have to be? that uh, expensive like they managed to do it uh, in past years what extra expense is there like you know it, it's all about conferring the sacrament onto a believer mm-hmm. and, and to strengthen their faith like where does the like I can't see where the money aspect of it comes in you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the ceremony itself the church is open anyway it's just another mass Yes. You know, uh, like, uh, the bishop is there to confirm the believers. I can't understand where the the monetary aspect of it comes in. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, nobody minds giving a donation. But, like, giving a, a hundred euros uh, is a lot to ask for people that don't have it. Well, the point I was making with regard to a donation, and again, looking at the example we have from Dublin, that you've got to pay either the full fee or the first instalment before you can register the child. Now, that's not a donation in my book. That's a fee. Perhaps they should call it what it is, a fee. Uh, And, like, if you are unable to register your child, well, does that make you a a, a lesser Catholic? You know what I mean? Does Mm -hmm. that mean your faith is less because... Uh, you cannot put your hand in, in your pocket. Michael, those are questions worthy of thought. Thank you for raising them. Thank you very much for having me on. Any thoughts on that? I, we don't think it's happened here yet, uh, but it's the start of class now into the confirmation year, so so it will happen. I, I predict it will happen if it hasn't happened already in Cork. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. So reminder to you, get your entries interest for our Falcher Ireland giveaway, our best vacation ever. Looking for what you would do for your best vacation ever. I told you I've been around 
Blarney Castle had a ball, went down to uh, Ocean Escapes as well, had great fun there. You see the video now on the Cork's 96FM socials. So what's your idea? And tomorrow we'll give away two 200 euro one-for-all vouchers, which will help to pay for your best vacation ever. How cool is that? Um, best vacation ever, a trip out to Ballycotton Lighthouse. This is from Fiona. From going out on the boat to the guided tour, the views are amazing and fantastic food afterwards in the church restaurant in Ballycotton. And the chills, children had a great day. Beautiful playground there. They really enjoyed that. Thanks, Fiona. Uh, so, yeah, I just heard on the radio about the daycation. For me, a perfect day would be Ballincollig Regional Park and a barbecue and relax in that beautiful park. Thanks so much. That's from Mariana, lovely name. A day trip to Kenmare with kayaking in Glengariff Bay. There's a bit of a distance between them, but it sounds like fun. Kayaking in Glengariff Bay looks great. So it does. Kimmy says there's a beautiful morning in Cove and yet another liner in, which is great to see. Thanks, Timmy. Get your staycation idea, your daycation ideas. Do it all in one day. To 0833969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Your, your, yeah, your smartphone is listening to you. Your Google Nest, your Amazon Alexa or any other thing you care to mention is listening to you. So is your television. Yeah, it's your television is listening. To, they actually proved this a few years ago. Do you remember, was it, was it one of the big television companies? I won't mention a name for fear of getting it wrong. You know what happens these days and happens. But they had to put up a message on their smart televisions to say that your television is effectively listening to you. Can you shut it off? Do you want to shut it off? Um, and any app that asks you on your phone or your tablet to gain access to your microphone, it too is listening to you. And and then when you when you speak, talk to anyone around you, you know, even if I walk in now and I say, I'd love a coffee. I'd love a coffee out of a coffee machine. I guarantee you that within an hour, open up my Instagram or my Facebook or whatever, I'll see an ad for coffee machines. It's it's just you are being listened to. And now, which magazine has looked into it? Um, your washing machine. I don't know why. But I think some of them are probably now remote controlled. These smart washing machines and these smart fridges now. Your smart fridges that tell you the tomatoes are running low. That must be listening to you as well. The whole house is listening to you. Just be wary of it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And if it's in watch, it's in which magazine it's 
reliable. Now back to the roads, back to driving, back to speed, back to the awful spate of accidents that we have, distractions, mobile phones. Do we need more enforcement? Justin called us this morning. He is living in West Cork now. He's retired military and a retired cop from the States and was, you know, telling us about how things are over there. And he was making the point there. All the rules in the world, all the penalty points in the world, all the speed limit changes you want, but until you have enforcement, you are wasting your time. Uh, where am I going? What line is it, guys? There's no number on it. Is it three? We'll go with three. Yeah, it, it looks like it. Yeah, three. Okay. Michael, good morning. Good morning. What would you like to say, sir? Um, I, would, I can just only tell you about my experiences as my daughter, um, unfortunately, uh, had some problems passing the test and she went through three instructors, like on the four she passed us, but like uh, all in all it cost her about 1,200 euros. But uh, the times that she failed, like I went to the instructors and said, well, like, has she achieved the standard? And like, to my amazement was, there's actually no driving standard in Ireland. Like every instructor you get has his way of teaching. Mm-hmm. And obviously you learn his way. And then if you fail, you you more than likely go and change instructors and they obviously have their own way of teaching and like it ended up uh, on her fourth try like she had, she was after t- being taught three different ways to drive but look as I say on the fourth uh, she, mm. she passed yeah the test is they, about the test isn't it it's about faults that you commit while you're driving yeah that that's what the tester takes into account so I, I get what you're saying. If your instructor hasn't picked up the fault while you're learning, then you'll take that fault into the test. Yes. And like there was one particular fault, and uh, I hope you don't mind me saying it. Uh, it was keeping your ankle on the ground while using your brake. And they say, well, your ankle has to be on the ground while you are uh, using your brake. And, like, my daughter had small feet. And, like, to my amazement, uh, what she was told was, maybe you, could, maybe you should change your car. Because the car she was driving, the brake pedal was up high. Hold on. Somebody failed her for lifting her foot off the floor of the car while she was touching the brake. Yes. I'm trying to think now. If I do that myself, I don't, I'm not sure if I do. It's so second nature to me after 30 years driving now. Yeah, but seemingly the standard is that uh, when you're using your pedals, your heels have to be actually on, on, on the floor. I see. I've never heard. And, maybe and, maybe and, an instructor, we have a and, number of instructors regularly talk to us on the show, and I know they listen going around in their cars. Can, can any instructor enlighten us as to whether you must keep? This is a silly question to me, but it's a mad one. You must keep your heel, your heel, say must remain on the ground, on the floor of the car while you use the brake. That's weird. Yeah, but mechanically, our, uh, being on the road uh, the first time, she was fine. And that was her only fault. Crazy. The fact that she raised her ankle off the, the floor of the car to, to use her brake. And that was the and, only fault and she had failed and for that? that. Was, that was the only fault and she was failed for that. Because the, uh, as far as the tester was concerned... It, it, it was a serious fault. I see. I see. That's and I think, uh, I, I, 
I was like you, PJ. I was going, uh, trying to imagine myself driving. And I think I keep my, keep my ankle off the ground when I'm using the brake. You know, so weird, isn't it? You wouldn't. You see, we don't realise it, Michael. I mean, when our youngsters are learning. Do you know, I remember when my daughter was learning, I was trying to teach her all the good habits before she went on to her formal instructor. I was trying to teach her all the ba- the good basics, only to realise that by two lessons she'd had with her instructor, uh, I, I wouldn't be sitting, I wouldn't be t- sitting a test in the morning. <laughs> no. Would you? And, do you and, think and you'd I pass think... a driving test in the morning, Michael? No, definitely not. Well, would you consider yourself a decent driver? I would consider myself a safe driver, you know, and, and uh, wouldn't be... No speed merchant, merchant now or anything. Mm, mm. But uh, I think a, a lot of it is speed, you know. Yeah, and you, and you, can, you can reduce all the limits you like. But like a person that is one speed, he's not going to buy, buy speed limits. If he wants to go, PJ, he'll go. Yeah, it's true. Michael, I was down in Bale and the Blaw. I was just driving the country roads in Bale and the Blaw one afternoon. We were all in the car together. And we were coming back from a visit and my, my missus hadn't seen the new Bale and the Blaw. You know, the way they've done up the, the, the commemoration there. The, yeah. And we were driving down there. Beautiful afternoon. Bit of music on the car. Window open. We were just showing her the new monument. And this klutz must have taken us at 120 kilometres an hour on that little road. You'll no speed limit change is going to stop that idiot. No, and look at uh, a lot of them aren't young either. A lot of them no, are barely, no, you know. Not. This fellow was no chicken. His hair was no. grayer than mine. <laughs> but I think a, a, a good point was made earlier. I think the driving and and learning to drive should come in earlier in their like it, it definitely in in secondary school. Kevin, Kevin like, brought it, that up. Yeah, yeah, in, in that gap year, you know, uh, six months of, of bringing the instructors in there and giving the the rudimentaries of road, the road, uh, the mechanics of the car and how to be safe and keep others safe, you know. Do you know the other thing I think they should do? I, I took part years ago in the AXA safety roadshow um, and they brought people in who'd been hurt in accidents and they brought people in who'd lost relatives and they brought the paramedics and the firefighters and the guards to go on stage and tell the kids warts and all what they saw. I think we need to frighten them more. Yeah, Definitely. And unfortunately, I've, I've lost a sister uh, a number of years ago, and she wasn't driving. She was actually a pedestrian. But <laughs> that's a whole other show, Peter. But like, and would all these accidents would would make you slow down? Indeed, they would. Michael, thank you for your call. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Any of our friendly driving instructors listening this morning as they go around their daily lessons? Uh, am I supposed to keep? my heel on the ground when I'm using the clutch and the brake. I'm driving so long it's second nature to me. I don't actually know. If you were to ask it, I could sit here at this desk all day wondering do I do it? And I don't know. But do you have to keep your heel on the ground while you're using the brake and moving from brake to clutch and all of that? And is that something you can failure? failure test with. What about the state of the roads and the state of the footpaths? Rita? Good morning, PJ. Ballyfihan yes. footpaths. 
Yes. Well, I live in that area, so it affects me uh, more, we'd say, oh, this way, right? Mm. Um, I had a lot of falls in recent times, and I'm now walking with a stick outside okay. or one of those walking frames, you know, with the wheels. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I am advised to exercise more. And when I go outside the front door, I'm absolutely terrified because every bit of the footpaths are broken mm-hmm. or cracked. Mm. Or if, if you were walking with the stick, there's little holes that That's you don't right. even see. Stick to be and down the stick goes down into the hole and you're thrown then that way. So, I mean, like, I, for one instance now, um, and I don't like saying it because I like man, Tom O'Driscoll's is in Ballyhan oh, as well. the former councillor, as we used to call yes, him, the minister for yeah. the airport long ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and his, the footpath outside his, we'd say where his house is, and across the road right from him, are all beautifully and smooth. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And, like, it, it really takes, like, he, he has done a lot of work, we say, down the square in Ballyhan and all that, and I'm trying to take Oh, no, Tom, in fairness to Tom, but I, I, know, I know Tom 30 years, he's been, doing, he's been a great advocate for the people in Ballyhan for, for all the time he was there, yeah. Has been, and yeah. has been very good. Yeah, but, yeah. like, what I'm saying is, it, 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 if you know who, if you, if you know someone, or if you are the person themselves, you can put all that right. But like in Ballyfehan, I'm telling you now, it's just the pits. Okay. Each footpath, I don't care what road you're saying, they're nearly all broken in bits. All right. Rita, thank you for that. I've got my own problem, thanks, outside my own front door with the last, um, I'm in Douglas, up in Middlebury Hill there. And we have a footpath outside my front door. I'll tell you in a minute. I'll talk to Mike in the truck first. I'll write it down and come back to it. I know what Rita's talking about. I've already had one very bad fall myself and ended up in hospital because of the state of the pavement outside my front door. I'll tell you that now in a minute. But Mike, morning. How are you doing? Very good. yourself? Good, good. You do a bit of driving. You drive a truck for a living. I do, yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, sp- I suppose I was just listening to your topic there the last couple of days, like. Yes. But um, I think reducing the speed limits, I don't think, is the problem. Like you know, I think speeding is is a big problem. Like ob- yeah. not obeying the current s- speed limits, like yes. you know. Yes. That's I, uh, that's my feeling on it. Like that, uh, people pass me there and they're doing twenty, thirty kilometers an hour over the speed limit. Like, mm. do you know they're st- they're passing me there like as if I'm stopped. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if there was more kind of done to to get people to obey the current speed limits. You know, it might be more beneficial. I think. But that, that's what Justin was saying earlier on. He started the ball rolling on this this morning. That you can have all the changes to the rules in the world that you want, but until you have enforcement of it. I, I think so. Yeah, and then the other thing too, like I'd see it now from the height. Like a lot of people are holding their phone in their hand, like. You know, know, and I, know. I just think with the phones that we have at the moment, you can't use them by just your fingers. You have to look at them. Like, you know, it was different maybe with the older phones before when they had buttons. Like, you might be able to feel your finger around or something. But that's right. Nowadays, you have to look at the screen to use it. Like, but the point is, Mike, you know, that there's no car now. Well, no modern car or truck or bus or any. Uh, I see a lot of bus drivers on their phone. I was on the outside broadcasting house here the other day and there was a coach driver manoeuvring yeah. a narrow street with a phone up under his lug and I thought oh my god you get yeah. rid of the phone 
But there's no, there's no modern vehicle now. There's no modern vehicle now that the phone won't attach to. No, no, no. But then, like, I don't know, kind of that it is. These things wait till you stop, like, you know. This is true, true. You know, like, I don't know, like. That's that's what Dr. Bandeveld was saying yesterday. Is there any, anything, is there anything really that important? I don't think so, really. Like, you know, I suppose, like, if you look at it this way, like, if you were sitting on the toilet, would you answer the phone, like? You wouldn't like, do you know? So why do you, do you know? You, you can it can waste, like, do you know? There's not, do you know? Well, Mike, like, bad example. I've done. I mean, they ask you, but are you on the toilet? You say, oh God, no, no, no. <laughs> and they know from the acorn. But I suppose I, I was just an example. I was using. No, you're you right. Know, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're, like, you're right. You know. And you're looking down from the height of a truck. Yeah, and I, I just feel, you know, if people, everyone obeyed the speed limit and just maybe relax a small bit when they're driving, people mm. seem very uptight they and do. very kind of anxious. I think maybe, I don't know, like, I know everyone has problems, there's no doubt about that, but just when you're driving, maybe if people just relax, give themselves an extra bit of time, obey the speed limit. I know I'm not perfect, I'm not saying I am, you know, but, like, uh, I think I, I think reducing the speed limit like they were kind of talking about there over the last couple of days, I don't know, is that going to fix the problem? I don't honestly think it will, like, you know. I don't know, will it cause more aggravation, like, you know. Well, you'd certainly hope that wasn't been the case, but but thank you, Mike, for that safe driving. And I know you listen a lot to our repeat overnight, and thank you for that. That goes out roughly between 3 and 5 in the morning. We take out all of the ads and all of the news bulletins and an awful lot of my old nonsense as well and we just give you back the bulk of the stuff that was in the show between 3 and 5 in the morning on Quark's 96 and the full podcast we just take out the news and take out the ads and take out the songs and you get the full show and that goes up most days around uh, around 3 o'clock 0818969696 one little bit of advice that I learnt I learnt it kind of if you like I learnt it by force a couple of years ago and the details don't matter okay so I'm not going to go into them but I had a minor incident here, very close to Broadcasting House, one, very early one Friday morning, a number of years ago. That is all I'm going to say. I'm going to fill you in on no more. But as a result of what happened, I now leave in the morning at least seven or eight minutes earlier. And I drive more slowly and I take my time focusing on getting here and getting parked and it's only a matter of five or six minutes I was I was rushing I wasn't concentrating that particular morning and something happened now I, I leave the house a few minutes earlier take it nice and handy um, and, and it's it, it, it's I had to learn it that way just there's always a couple of minutes there's always five minutes there's always three minutes, and three or five minutes makes a massive difference. Take it nice and handy. Sit in behind that wheel and breathe. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six FM.
The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. The Teddy Daly Memorial in aid of pancreatic cancer research will take place on Sunday the 17th of September. A virtual event, people are encouraged to get involved by walking, running, cycling or your activity of choice and help raise vital funds for breakthrough cancer research. To donate and to register, go to breakthroughcancer.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Mike brought the issue of the phones up there again in his call to 0818969696. He's a truck driver, so he's up over the road and he sees so much mobile phone use. And I happen to mention that I was outside Broadcasting House here uh, just in the last couple of days. And there was a coach driver, um, not going to say the company, not even going to say if it was male or female, but this coach driver in a narrow street on a busy afternoon with lots and lots of people around had a phone clung to the side of their face as they were manoeuvring the flipping bus like with the hand up not even a hand not even a clung under the shoulder hand up holding phone side of the face middle of the afternoon a coach on a busy street and i thought oh my god what the hell are you doing Let's remind us again, or remind ourselves again, of what Dr. Jason Vandeveld said yesterday about mobile phones in cars. You know, the use of a mobile phone while you're driving, it, it's, you're four times more likely to be involved in the collision. It's truly distressing to arrive at a mangled car with a young person who has been seriously injured or worse, still holding onto their mobile phone with that frantic friend still on the video call that is what haunts me and there's a man who has seen it all oh wait one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on new rules and new speed limits etc uh, etc et michael your thoughts good morning uh good morning pj what do you want to say sir well look personally I, I believe that, you know, that this is just another money-making machine uh, hidden behind what you might call so-called safe driving campaign. You know, it's, it's just the government, again, uh, presenting themselves to be seen to be done, doing something, put a, putting a Band-Aid on it, similar to kind of the, the housing crisis. You know, um, let's do nothing. Let's not give, you know builders tax free uh, whatever owners uh, you know let's just put a cap on it this is the very same this is the very same I mean there's no talk about the state of the roads like the roads are a disgrace mm-hmm. um, what are the council doing to maintain us throwing a bit of you know uh, coal tar into a wet pothole uh, and coming back and doing it again you know two years later after the hole being there you know, five weeks after they've done it. Mm. Uh, you know, know, um, at the end of the day, putting out these speed vans, like what is it, what are speed vans? First of all, it's a contract. And what's a contract? A contract is something that that is put in place to make money. It's as simple as that. Like, you know, I would love to see somebody come out with some real statistics for them to look at where all these crashes have. So, you know, um, and then come back and tell me that, well, there were speed vans in those locations. I guarantee there wasn't because there are no, there are no crashes 
outside schools. There are no crashes on climbing lanes. There are no crashes off roundabouts where the, where the speed has dropped from 60 to 50 kilometers. These speed vans, they're the greatest waste of money. And like, it, it is, it is I, the only word that I, the phrase that I can put against it is financial rape. But Michael, well, you know, that's a strong word. But Michael, how uh, do well, we, well, well, I'll tell you what. Hold on, let me, let me. Let me. Any how place we, where these, uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. How do we get people to slow down? Because clearly, and again, I speak of Dr. Van der Velde and many others who tell you distraction and speed. Distraction, like phones, and speed. Yes. And listen, Dr. Van der Velde and his whole um, mobile phone, absolutely. I completely agree with that. But that's not been monitored. When is the last time you heard somebody getting uh, penalty points for being on their phone? Excellent point. When is the last- Excellent point. Yeah. When is the last time you heard somebody getting penalty points for not using their round for using their indicators coming on to roundabouts, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Mm. You know, all the basics. Yes. Um, yes. Um, even 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 if you do, you know, I have had a family member that has done a driving test recently, and it is absolutely laughable. There's no there's no form of, um, you know, it's. So you come off you, when you come off a roundabout, you go straight onto the left lane, even though you might be on the inside lane on a roundabout where there are two lanes coming off. You go into the left lane. It doesn't make sense when you come off a roundabout. You sh- and you're on the right lane, and there's two lanes on the road that you come off. You should be able to go straight onto the right lane and let people who are coming in from a left road go off onto the left lane. Well, that's down to what's in the rules of the road. Well, do you know, I'll tell you what, let's, if, rules of the road doesn't make it that, that, it's, that it's correct. You know, it's the very same. No, but what I'm getting at there, Michael, is in, in terms of your driving test, and I said this while ago, I probably wouldn't pass a driving test in the morning. I don't think most experienced drivers would. But when you're driving for your driving test, the Bible is the rules of the road, and the rules of the road say you go into the left, you go into the left. Well, you see, here, here, here's, the, here's the problem. It's like everything, everything else. As you just said there now, and I'd imagine you'd regard yourself as a good driver. I'd regard and myself as an experienced driver and, and a careful an extre- driver. Yes, but here you are, here, here, here's, the, here's the situation. You have, a, you have an experienced driver and you have a careful driver who will not pass under the current so-called Bible law purely because common sense doesn't prevail. Mm. Like, and, you well, know, it's again, funny that you should say that, Michael. Sorry, I remember when I was learning for my test, um, and there was, a, I, I'm not too sure if he's been still with us now, but a very clever fellow called Sean was my second driving instructor, my first guy. I, I couldn't handle him at all, but my second guy. And he said to me when we were doing things like, you know, you, you, you position your mirror. And he said, you will position your mirror for the driving test in a way that you will never position it again because it's exactly. dangerous. So there now, that's you are. a long time so, ago, but I don't know whether that's changed. Actually, you know yourself, you have to get a crick in your neck looking in the mirror. If you don't look up 20 times, you don't. It doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, again, reducing the speed, that, lead, that leads to frustration. Like, let me ask you this. Why is it not, here's another common sense law. Why is it that a driver can drive along the road that is 100 kilometers an hour and he can drive along there at 50 kilometers an hour holding up 20 cars? That driver should get a ticket as fast as anybody. Well, actually, that is also an offence. You're, you're not allowed to cause an obstruction. When have you seen somebody getting points for that last? Look, I'll give you a simple example here. 
if you go into Dungarvan or you come out of Dungarvan, going into Dungarvan is 60 kilometres an hour and coming out of Dungarvan, going up a hill, it's 60 kilometres an hour. Absolutely ridiculous. There's no... Look, as I said, this whole scenario is... Is, is got nothing to do with anything other than generating more money for the government under the auspices of safe driving campaign. Mm-hmm. And all you'll find is you'll have a contract now where you've got these lazy money-grabbing vans parked in areas where there, are n- there is never going to be a crash, um, multiplying by four or five and generating more money for the government. Mm-hmm. And the government will, will say, yeah, well, we're doing our best. We're putting more monitoring. But they're not putting monitoring. They're not putting it where they're not putting it says you where the real speeding is going on, which is which is a valid point. Michael, leave it there. Thank you very much. Good contribution. And he, a lot of people feel that way. That speed vans in particular are just revenue raising mechanisms. I don't know whether you agree or disagree with that. If you're interested in what Michael's been saying to Mike, you go to John. Hi, John. Uh, hello, hello, PJ and Hi. to our listeners. Thank you. On the spot finds. Um, yes, and I think really the big issue here, I concur what Michael has just said in the main, but I'd be of the view that the fines are totally inadequate and it really is down to enforcement and no other. Mm, which is you what can, Justin you, was saying earlier on. You, yeah. can, you can twist and turn and change it up any way you like. For example, i give you a good, good example how it works in Switzerland. A friend, they were go up uh, a slip road onto the motorway and uh, he got caught by the police going slightly over, so pulled in and automatically there was a €2,000 fine of which he couldn't pay, pay with a credit card. If he, if he couldn't, um, the vehicle would be impounded straight away. Yeah. Um, also... Well, he, had to, he had to pay the fine there and then with a credit card? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> that's, the car- that's an on-the-spot fine, wow. Yeah, but that and your vehicle. If you can't pay for it, it'll be impounded. You'll be stopped. A recovery vehicle will come and collect it. They'll be charged for that also. But all the the next thing then. So this is down the line of enforcement, and it's leading to about policing. So he also has to produce um, his driving license, and luckily he did. But if he couldn't, to be another six hundred euro. What? So he said. Yeah, that's so. That was the equivalent of euro. We'll say, um, and and he had he had to pay the two thousand and could have paid two six. He said, "I won't do it again." So really, what needs to happen is we have a road policing, yes, but Lord God Almighty, it just ain't there in enough amounts. I mean, for example, I travel. Most of Cork can go up as far as Mullingar, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I'm a tree surgeon. Okay. And you'd, you'd go on all types of roads. And basically, anyone can go any type of speed. I've seen it. Look, you can, you can be law-abiding. There are a good proportion, but there is a larger proportion can go because the chance of getting caught, the chance of, we'll say, a heavy fine like that, your vehicle be taken off you. We all, most people need it for work. Yeah. Financial, it could cripple us. So you, you could have then the scenario, maybe someone maybe driving uninsured. What do you do with them? Oh, yeah. You have to have to be community service, prison, 
you have to stamp down this. It's enforcement all the way. All right. Bringing down the speed limits, it's a kind of a policy coming from the Greens. They they wanted to bring speed limits on the motorways to... um, down to 100 kilometres. Sure, you're slowing it down. Mm. Coming out of the, the cities. and, and That's very much the point that Justin was making earlier on. He said, look, you can, you can change the law all you want, but unless yeah. you're there to enforce it, and enforce it harshly, you're yeah. wasting your time. 100%. Justin hit it hard on, on the head. And I'd, I'd emphasise he's on the right track there. Well, where's Michael saying, kind of, it's it's money raising. It 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 is, but it has, but it has to be greater. That, for example, um, most most roads in County Cork, you might or might not come across a speed van. There mm. are some. For example, if I go to Limerick, I've travelled in a lot of the villages. You could come across um, a speed camera. Great job, right? Mm. But you you also need the dedicated policing that are not being pulled away for societal issues away yeah, from the roads. Yeah. The, 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 it, the, it must the, be... The, the traffic cops are traffic cops and nothing else. Like heavy fines, take the vehicle off someone if they can't pay for it. If they have no means of paying for it, they have to go to jail or community service. It has to be... There needs to be no second chance less, the first less time Less carrot, more stick, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, it's enforcement. Enforcement... You, you can do it any other way. You can turn it upside down, but Justin had it. The American guy, is that the that's him, fella? Yeah. yeah, that's him. He had a bang on the headlight. All right, leave it there. John, thank you. The comment of the day <laughs> has nothing to do with roads or traffic or speed, nothing to do with VAT or anything like that. <laughs> oh, it's not signed. It's not signed. It's to do with the little story I was reading out where which magazine has done its research and found out that what we always believed was true is actually true that your smart speaker your television your anything you want in the house your phone your washing machine according to this research is listening to you everything in the house is listening to you I love this. The only thing in the house not listening to you is the wife and kids. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. I can't believe what Dee is going to tell me, and you won't either, in about the next 90 seconds, but... But one more of your daycations still coming into us. We make the draw tomorrow in association with our friend at Falcher, Ireland. Devon says, be up early to the pier in Glengariff. Get the boat over to Garnish. Wave at the seals. Walk through the gardens. Come back over to Glengariff. Lunch in one of the lovely cafes there. Up to the You Experience Scripture Garden. Sculpture Garden, sorry. Sculpture Garden. Great memories there. You spend hours getting lost in the artwork and the walkways. Then home through Kalekill to get a sneaky hour of plant shopping in future forests and great garden centre. Love West Cork. We live in the nicest county with so much to do, says Yvonne and family in Berings. Yeah, and on that road back, there's a beautiful place to stop. But if you're not the driver, there's a wonderful place called the Brown Pub. That's what it's called, the Brown Pub. 
beautiful pint of Guinness in there if you happen to be the one not doing the driving. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. No, D, you're joking me. What happened? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. And um, I mean, this is just saying how your devices are listening to you. So yeah. I said I do a little test. Yeah. I'm sitting there in the front room on my own. <laughs> If anyone heard me, started talking about I needed a new toilet brush. Right. Opened up an, a- an app, and the first thing that popped up was an ad about toilet brushes. Get away! <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> so there you are. There you are. Clearly, clearly, you need a medication. Walking around the front room, <laughs> talking about toilet brushes, and, and, you, and you open up your phone, and there's an ad for a toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd pick something strange. <laughs> D, thank you. That's brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, I love that. And after all the serious stuff we've had all morning, that's great. That's brilliant. Thanks, D. 0818969696. Good job she didn't ask for anything sort of weird like, well, toilet brushes are weird in themselves. But supposing she'd been asking for some, oh, I don't know. Adult toys or anything like that. We've also had some fun during the week about weddings. We had the weddings where people marched up the aisle to the sound of the Adams family. We had the man who wanted his uh, daughter-in-law to come up the aisle to the sound of bring your daughter to the slaughter by Iron Maiden. We've had Harry Potter themed weddings and many other things. Janice O'Callaghan is a wedding celebrant and weddings have changed Janice and it's a thing more more or less a case of anything goes now isn't it good morning good morning PJ yes it is a a case of anything goes there's um, kind of a saying at the moment your day your way your day your way bespoke wedding ceremonies is your own your own site so what's some of the more unusual things you've been asked to do um well, the one I'm really looking forward to is I'm booked to do a wedding in a, in a hot air balloon. I haven't done it yet. In but the balloon? that's one. Uh, a hot air balloon, yes. Um, yeah, we're in the gondola. The gondola will take the witnesses, myself and the uh, bride and groom. So that's one I'm looking forward to late, uh, next year. No. So as I say, you can do anything you want. Um, I have bookings for weddings on the Cliffs of Moher. I have bookings on beach for weddings on beaches. Um, I have bookings in uh, in a ruin of a castle uh, in the moonlight. So literally, if you can think it, I can perform it. The, the Cliffs of Moher one, they're charging people 99 quid to look at the sunset. Have you, have you seen that? I haven't actually, no. Yeah, they are. I, but I, I, there I, are some stunning views. <laughs> there are some stunning views and it does make an absolutely beautiful backdrop just, for a wedding. Fascinated by the, by the by the hot air balloon. Yes, yep. That's a definite one. I'm booked for that for next July. And people can bring their children into it and they can bring their pets into it. They can, of course. Now, when you bring your pets into it, if you're having your ceremony in a venue, you will have to check with the venue. Some hotels allow it and some hotels don't. Right. But obviously, if you're doing it on in an area where, you know, like in a beach or on the cliffs, you know, it's obviously there's no problem then. Yeah, yeah. Celebrant... Lay celebrants are all the are all the rage now. I've been at a few weddings where it's a lay celebrant. It's a totally different experience. You build the ceremony around what the couple want. Exactly. Now that can be it can go down a completely traditional route, or as you say, it can take an unusual 
avenue. Um, a lot, what's very popular with me is the Celtic weddings. Um, I have um, an awful lot of bookings for those. You, some people get their um, wedding rings made with Celtic designs. They ha- I have Celtic swords where the bride uh, is presented with, um, presented by the groom or the other bride, and it, at their feet, and it literally, literally represents that they were vowing to protect, honor, and cherish them forever. And many of the seats will be covered with sheepskins. You know, they're just one of the ideas you have. Wow. Then you again, you spoke about yeah. You know, it's literally uh, whatever you can think of. And are there things that have to be in every ceremony for the for the legality of the of the wedding? Well, there is a legal spiel that I obviously have to do during the ceremony. Um, your witnesses have to be over 18. Um, there are criteria for where you can sign the legals. and um, But basically, it's quite simple. But you And you have to have obviously, if it's going to be a legal ceremony, you must register your intent to wed with the registrar at the HSE registra- registration office three months before your ceremony. BespokeWeddingCeremonies.com I, I, I cannot wait and we'll make a date in the diary we're not going to blag an invite but, but I want a picture uh, and I want to know more about this um, hot air balloon wedding in July of 2024 because it sounds like that, that sounds like, that's the most unusual thing I've ever heard in my life Janice <laughs> and they want, it, they want it off the ground like oh yes 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 definitely yep <sighs> Wow, because I tell you, have you ever been up in one? I actually haven't, and I'm I'm so looking forward to it. It is honest. one of the most exhilarating, beautiful experiences. I I did it years ago, up around Donnerail or somewhere. Um, I went up very very early in the morning, and the the weather and the conditions have to be spot on for the thing to take off. And we were up in a balloon for maybe fifteen twenty minutes. It is the most... I'm so jealous. <laughs> I am so looking forward to it. Now, funny enough, fabulous. one of my colleagues who... One of my colleagues did an ashes spreading because um, we do funerals as well as yes. uh, weddings. Yes. And the family, they, she, a colleague of mine, she went up with a uh, family and they spread the ashes from uh, uh, the gondola and the balloon. So, you know, okay, okay. it's just something different as well. That's, that's exciting. That's one to look, to look forward to. Thanks for that, Janice. Uh, you can have whatever you want these days. BespokeWeddingCeremonies.com uh, Oh, if you've never done it, if you get a chance anywhere in, in the world to do a hot air balloon, do it. Ah, sorry to hear that. The Brown Pub is closed. Oh, that's bad news. I used to love that place. It's the name. Thanks, Karen. The name, The Brown Pub. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Is that it? It is. Oh, yeah, it reminds you again, uh, Daycations will give away our prizes tomorrow with Falcher Ireland. 83 96 Get your Daycations into us. Have I time for one more fast one uh, from, yes, Mallow Castle and the Town Park. Lovely food in the gallery. Uh, beautiful church on the main street in Mallow and the Memorial Fitzgerald Bridge. And that's from Anthony Pickford. Thank you, Anthony. To get in with that, be a chance for our draw tomorrow, who will draw two winners of one for all vouchers for 200 euro, with thanks to Falcha Ireland. And that's about the size of it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll put all your podcasts up ASAP. Thank you for joining a busy conversation in whatever way you did. 
We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.